Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I would just like to um, more so show my... um Appreciation to uh, pretty much everyone involved uh, from the side, despite uh, the contract stuff not going the way uh, I had planned for it to go. And like, to, I know there's going to be a lot of questions about um, the entire the process and everything like that. And to get on the process, uh, I thought it was it was very distasteful to say the least. Um, wasn't what I anticipated, nor did I like what I expected from the situation, but. You know, I'm grateful for the uh, fans, all the loyal fans and everyone, that uh, the players as well in the locker room and the city of Chicago that uh, stood behind me throughout this process and it means a lot to myself. That's linebacker Roquan Smith from August the 9th asking to be traded by the Bears. He was holding in. He was in camp. He wasn't practicing, trying to get a long-term contract. Eventually it didn't work out and – He's the first, I think, of this new trend of hold-ins where they just didn't work out a deal. It's time to go get your helmet and play. And he came out and he played well. But now, one day before the deadline, the Bears send him to the Ravens for second-round pick and fifth-round pick in 2023 and linebacker A.J. Klein. That's what the Bears get. The Ravens get Roquan Smith without a new contract yet. Obviously, they have the exclusive right now to try to sign him. They can franchise tag him next year. We'll talk about that in a second. But the Ravens inherit the contractual issue, but they also get a player who helps them at a position of need. And the Bears, who aren't horrible, no. in less than a week now, they've shipped two of their best defensive players out the door. Roquan Smith, clearly their best guy defensively. Robert clearly. Quinn had 18 and a half sacks last year. A franchise record, a 100-plus-year-old franchise. He set the record. I know the stat's only been around for about 40 years. But still, 18 and a half sacks. He's gone. Smith was emotional about that when he found out about the trade. Now he's gone, too. And, and again, the Bears aren't really done but maybe they understand where they are, who they are, and what they're trying to do. I think so. it's an opportunity to take over the division right. 
post Aaron Rodgers, right. and maybe that's what they're building. For. I think that's the that's the point, Mike. I'm glad you went there because I wanted to hit that right there. I think they're just looking at the big picture, going, "Okay, so what? Like maybe if like three miracles happen this year, we might be able to get in the playoffs as the seven seed, right? And we play amazing football and things like. So they went, "Okay, so what? All right, but we're not going to make a run to get to like you know, the Lombardi Trophy." I think they saw the big picture and said, all right, well, these are there's a guy we're not going to have here, and let's get something for him now and make it happen. And so good for them on that, I think, to see the big picture, even though, yeah, it might stink in the short term here. But the the story is the Ravens. You know, the Ravens are one of those teams, Mike, that we look at. I look at at least to go, yeah, they might not be in the class of the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles right now, but the Ravens are one team to me that they can win the Super Bowl this year. That they're better than their five and three record. They've shown moments this year of being a very dominant football team, even in some of the losses where you go, wait, there was two or three quarters in that game where they were clearly the better team and they just made mistakes that are fixable or correctable. So, you know, and then you go, you add that to the defense seems to be getting its footing. Some of the guys are getting healthy. And man, now you got Patrick Queen and this guy running around the middle of the field with some big dudes who can kind of get, keep people off them in the run game, and now they can just run and go get the ball, and they're both phenomenal blitzers, and the Ravens aren't a great pass rush front four, but they're creative in their blitzes. I, I, I think this is I think it's a great move by the Ravens. I do. I think the Ravens are a Super Bowl-caliber team, and this is a, a big-time middle linebacker. And what's their weakness? It's the defense. It's Definitely. blown leads. All three losses, blown lead, blown lead, exactly. blown lead. And now you have a guy that can help put the clamps on. We saw how good he was against the Patriots last Monday night in primetime. We'll get to see him in his debut next Monday night against the Saints in primetime. So, yeah, I, I think it's exactly what the Ravens needed this year to try to get more out of their defense and put themselves in a position where they can be one of those teams in the AFC that disrupts the inevitable Chiefs-Bills reunion in the AFC championship game. Because I could see the Ravens going into Buffalo or going into Kansas City, playing a team that is thinking about the showdown that's looming and catch them flat-footed, and down they go, and then the Ravens move on to the next round. I, I I don't disagree with that. You know, them and the, and the Tennessee Titans to me have that potential to be that team where you go, what? We thought we were getting Allen and Mahomes and instead we're getting Lamar and, you know, Derek Henry in the showdown there. Uh, this wouldn't be shocking. I hear you there. But the, the Ravens, you, you said it, they're close. And if they can get Rashad Bateman back healthy from his foot injury, I mean, they, they can be dangerous. The run game's going as we're seeing. And we got another weapon here with Isaiah Likely to go with Mark Andrews that we saw last Thursday night. He's going to be a part of the offense. And then the other thing that jumps out to me, tough matchup, like you said, this week with the New Orleans Saints, who, uh, you know, I think have a lot of similar qualities to the Ravens in a lot of ways. But, man, the Ravens' schedule down the stretch, Mike, it, 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 it like, shapes up to where you go – they could make a run, and if they could play just the way they've played really the whole first half of the year without just making some of the dumb mistakes they've made in the fourth quarter, you go, they could make a run here and, and really have a still maybe a say to be a number one seed, a number two seed in the playoffs. I mean, it's a very favorable schedule down the stretch. I don't look at one team down the stretch and go, when they step on the field, I know it's football and they got to play it out, but there's not one roster where you go, well, that team's better than the Ravens. 
that you know, and I know they got to play the game, so it it's setting up to where they can right. be a major I'm looking player at here. Yeah, you're right. They got the bye after the game against the Saints, Panthers at the Jaguars, Broncos at the Steelers, Browns in Cleveland, mm-hmm. Falcons, Steelers, and at the Bengals to end the season. And yes, two Steelers games and one of the most bitter rivalries in all of football. But what are the Steelers going to be when we I get know. the week? They don't play the first time until week 13 or 14. I mean, the Steelers are in rebuild mode right now. Week 14 is the first game, December 11 in Pittsburgh, and then week 17, January 1st in Baltimore. The, the Steelers are circling the drain at 2-6. and six. So, and, and, and again, write them off at your own peril. But I, I agree with you. It's not like you look at the back end of the schedule like we do with the Bengals and say, uh-oh. You look at it with the Ravens, you say, oh, yeah, here we go. The Ravens are a team that can, can be – one of those, you know, they're, they're around 500, but then win, 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 win. And the next thing you know, they're 10 and three. Exactly. Or, or 11 and four. I could see and, it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, now, yeah, now, yeah. Let's, let's push this forward because this gets fascinating to me. They're, they're only paying 575000 of the remaining Roquan Smith salary. Like $4.8 million being paid by the Bears. The Bears are paying a huge amount of the Robert Quinn remaining salary. Again, the Bears are just – and the the Bears, we talked about this last segment. Look at the NFC. You're not getting in. That seventh seed is going to go to the Packers, the 49ers, or the Rams, or the Seahawks. The Bears aren't getting in. Even though they showed promise last week against the Patriots, this is more of a foundation for next year. And next year is the year they can really take off, and they're getting the pieces in place to do it. So spend the money now. Pay the guys to leave. Get the draft picks and off you go. But for the Ravens, they got to figure out Roquan Smith, who represents himself at a time when they're trying to figure out Lamar Jackson, oh my who gosh, represents right. himself. Right. Right. I mean, well, I guess maybe they're getting good at this. Maybe they're starting to figure it out, although they've yet to work out a long-term deal with a guy representing himself. It's possible they already have a deal, kind of wink nod in place with Roquan Smith. The Bears could have authorized compensation discussions between Smith and the Ravens could have done that. I don't know when Smith would have had time to do it, but you got one franchise tag to use. I mean, if we talk about collusion all the time from the team standpoint, and it's not permitted technically, but it happens from the player standpoint, you can do it all you want. I mean, Roquan Smith and Lamar Jackson could say to each other, you know what? If we just both refuse to sign a long-term deal, they can only franchise tag one of us. The other one's going to free agency. I assume between the two, they would franchise tag Lamar Jackson. I assume they would. Right. But this is a tough spot for the Ravens. They have to sign one of these two guys, or they risk definitely losing one. And, and Chris, one more point. I, I, I've heard people say, well, well, if they lose Roquan Smith, they'll get a third-round compensatory pick. Well, are, did they really give up a 2 and a 5 in A.J. Klein to get a compensatory pick down the road, a third-rounder? Is that why they're doing it for a half-year rental? I don't think you do this deal unless you think you're going to have Roquan Smith around beyond this year. Agreed. It, it, the goal is to keep him. Yeah. You don't make that move if you aren't trying to keep him. Yes, it's a consolation prize if he leaves, but you're not doing that for, hey, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go up a 2-5 and a five in 2023 and a player to get this guy that we're going to have for half of a season and then he's, he's going to leave in free agency, and we're going to get a third-round pick in 2024. I don't think that's the plan that they devised when they did this. No, exactly right. I think they're, they're looking at this definitely big picture, long-term. This is a great move 
to further the little young nucleus they have on the off defensive side of the ball as they go forward with the Dafio way and Madubuke in the middle and Patrick Queen, who's very similar to Roquan Smith. He's only in his third year, so they got a few years to kick that can down the road. You got Kyle Hamilton at safety, Marcus Williams, who's hurt. We should be back soon. Marlon Humphrey's still good. So, you know, they have a chance here if they keep a guy like Roquan Smith where you go, you know, minus Calais Campbell and Justin Houston, where you go, they have a chance to keep this defense together here for the next three, four years and really build something and, and, and really have a dominant defense that way. So I, I'm with you, Mike. I, you know, I, I would think the plan is to keep both guys. Lamar, the way their team is built on the offensive side of the ball, it's built to have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson running it. And damn, he's fun to watch run, and run it when they, they're healthy and doing it the right way, like we saw last week. I mean, that, that was fun to watch. High-level throws, jaw-dropping runs. You know, you get the defense going. The, the Ravens are one of those teams that five and three, don't be fooled by the five and three. Don't be. You know, they had they were up on the Bills twenty to three. They were kicking the shit out of the Miami Dolphins and blue coverages. And then Lamar had two of his worst turnovers of the year down the stretch against the Giants, where they outplayed the Giants and should have won the football game. So they can look at it and go, Yeah, we're five and three, but we could be really Seven and one, eight and zero, oh. and in some of those losses, those are good teams that we like. We had moments of like dominating them for extended periods of time, and I think that's why you make the move, and I think that's why it's cool. And you know, the Ravens, it's fun when Lamar and them are good, and the bullies of the Ravens are mad and physical and knocking people's heads off. I'm, I'm, I hope this works out, and they make things interesting in the AFC. That loss to the Dolphins, yeah. It was week two. We're still early in the season. There's a lot going on, and it was in that cluster of 1 o'clock Eastern games. Right. But Lamar Jackson has that 79-yard shot-out-of-a-cannon touchdown run that puts the Ravens up 21 with 26 seconds left in the third quarter. Yeah. They're up 35-14. to 14. If that had been a primetime game, we'd still be talking about yeah, right. the collapse. Right. Unbelievable. And 20 to 3, blown lead to the Bills. And uh, the, the Giants game, they had that 20 one. 20 to 10, I believe, at one point. 20 yeah. To 10. Double digit leads yeah. in three different games blown. And now here comes a guy that's going to help them avoid that. Yeah. We saw what the Ravens are capable of on Thursday night against the Bucks. That's right. The Ravens are a factor, the Ravens are a problem, the Ravens are a team that very well could keep us from enjoying Bill's Chiefs Part 3 in the postseason. We saw it in 2020, 21. We may not see it in 2022 because the Ravens are going to have something to say about it. And the addition of Roquan Smith makes it more likely they're going to have something to say about it. All right, we got something to say about the New York Jets. Five and three. Chris's guy, Zach Wilson, not getting it done. Is he still the quarterback of the future? product placement sort of for the Jets. We'll discuss that when PFD Live continues. <laughs> Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. 
But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Is Zach your starter this week? And what's yeah. your confidence level in him being able to rebound from yesterday? I've got full confidence in Zach. We all do. Um, um, you know, it's not like he hasn't had bad games before and he stepped up and, and has followed up with good days. So, you know, with the way he preps and the way he practices and, and the questions he asks, uh, we've got faith that he'll continue, continue to find ways to get better. Robert Sala coaching the New York Jets regarding his second year starting quarterback, second pick in the 2021 draft right behind Trevor Lawrence. Uh, before we get to this take your pick yeah. segment, yeah. which is intended to move fairly quickly, I just want to stop for a second. And Thanks. I want you to give me a 30-second, mm-hmm. maybe 45, diagnosis of what you think is wrong with Zach Wilson. Well, okay. I mean, first off, he's a young quarterback, right, who didn't play preseason and got thrown back in, you know, against, like, the five worst defenses in football that you could say, hey, you're a young quarterback, you didn't play preseason and didn't start the season, but you get to play, hey, the crazy Dolphins and the Packers who were pretty good defense and the Steelers and who else am I missing? Of course, the Patriots last week and then the game they won and the the Broncos. They played some very tough defenses. It's a little bit of an overreaction. He played like shit. On Sunday, he made some three of the dumbest, like he's in the backyard hanging with his friends, playing a a backyard football game throws, you will see. They were dumb. I don't defend them. I don't. But I do defend the fact that he was 4-0 against four really tough defenses and played the game the right way, and here we are, one loss, it's ready to bench him. And that's where, again... I can go back in time and go, hey, this guy was one and four as a quarterback and threw interceptions in every game, but we just, the the future was bright. It was bright. And for Zach Wilson, for whatever reason, it's in New York, the Jet fans, all of it, you know, it's, it's a little too critical in my opinion, but I understand last week was crappy. It was crappy, but I, I think it's a little too over the top in my opinion, Mike. And you've pointed out before there's this mindset with Jets fans where the guy who's supposed to be the franchise quarterback they're against and they're constantly looking for the Mike White that they can anoint. They love it. Of course, once he's anointed, then they'll be against him. Right, right, right. It's, it's, it, there is this, this weird thing up here with the Jet fans where they, they almost root against their guys that are good and they love like – the guy who is, hey, he was a plumber, but look, he had a good game for us. Let's let's make him the franchise guy. He was a plumber. This is awesome. And it's just like, well, okay, great, but then that's why you guys are two and fourteen, two and fifteen every year. You know, their fans are annoying, in my opinion. They are. They're way too over and reactionary. They can never be happy. They win a game and then Green Bay and they're, oh, we can't get Elijah Moore the ball. Let's not talk about the fact that we've won four in a row and we just beat Darren Rodgers. We can't get Elijah Moore the ball. What's wrong with us and Zach Wilson? What's wrong? Uh, I mean, geez, Jets, you guys suck forever. Like, just enjoy the ride a little. He made some mistakes. We're not going to bench him. But this is where it's just crazy, the league right now. Other guys go 4-0. Cooper Rush, damn, we should we should bench Dak Prescott. Let's bench him. We got Cooper Bailey Zappi had two games where the people were the most wide open in the history of football this year. 
I mean, his, his separation between receiver and coverage and his two wins were like off the charts good. Let's, let's bench Mac Jones, even though he took us to the playoffs. But here's Zach Wilson, 4-0 against good teams, and it's let's bench him, even after the 4-0 win, let alone now the three interception games. So that's, yeah, it's just weird, Mike. Sorry about the rant there. I don't want to, no, no, and I'm not looking to go overly deep into this dive of the psyche of a Jets fan, but I'm sure having the Giants in the same town, in the same stadium, yeah, right. Super Bowls since 1986, probably contributes to this yes. kind of frenetic, right. what can we do to grab and somebody Patriots. who can help us win right, right now? Yes, yeah. yes, and the Patriots right. who have dominated the division in which the Jets reside. All right, which sophomore quarterback do you have the most confidence in right now? We're going to focus only on the first rounders. Sorry, Sam Ellinger. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and also Trey Lance, who's recovering from the broken ankle. Which one do you have the most confidence in Right now, I, I think I'd probably go with Justin Fields, and I don't know if my confidence is all that high in any of these, but I think I'd go with Justin Fields as it stands right now. I'm not down or out on any of these guys overall. Trevor Lawrence, it's still inconsistencies in throwing the ball. Zach Wilson, there's still a lot I like. You know, their offense got to help him out a little too. Mac Jones, there's still a lot I like too. He's going through a little bit of a, a struggle here, but still a lot I like. But Justin Fields has definitely been playing the best out of the crew lately, the cleanest, and then for the most part, making the most plays. I think the fact that they've added some of this quarterback design run stuff in Chicago, it, it makes you view him differently a little bit right now. So I think out of any of them right now, I'm, I'm probably going to ride with Justin Fields, and I'm not going to say that my confidence level is through the roof with him either. It's, it's funny. This is the greatest class of quarterbacks ever, and right now we got questions about all of them across the board. Yeah, at least with the 2018 class, two of the five lottery tickets scratched off as winners. Definitely. In Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Right. Or We've Burrow got five and guys, Five guys taken in the top 15 in 2021, and, you know, it's still to be determined, and it could go either way. I agree with you. Right now, Justin Fields is looking like the best of the bunch, even though we wouldn't have said that a year ago. But Trevor Lawrence is kind of all over the place. Zach Wilson work in progress. Mac Jones, up and down and high and low, and who knows what's up with him and Bill Belichick. Yep. And then Trey Lance. I feel bad for Trey Lance. Look, this is the one thing yeah. that I think the, the 49ers really didn't consider. They got so freaked out, I believe, because they saw Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady playing each other in Super Bowl 55. Yep. And we, we, we didn't look at Patrick Mahomes. We could have had him. Tom Brady wanted to come play here, and we said no. And now we're watching these two guys play in the Super Bowl. We got to do something. What are we going to do? I think you have to ask yourself, it's already a ton of pressure on a first-round yep. draft pick, yep. whatever position you play. But when you're the guy who walks through the door as three first-round picks and a third-round pick, that's an enormous amount of pressure. It's not fair to Trey Lance. He didn't ask for that. What do you expect the guy to do? It's a Robert Griffin the third type scenario where you put so much on one guy. The expectation is so high. The bar is through the roof. What do you expect for the kid, and I just feel bad for Trey Lance. I feel bad for, for really any first-round quarterback who gets thrown into it right away because you do have more pressure on you. Now, now, hey, you, if you rise up and you perform or you don't, we've seen guys rise up and perform, but it does take a while. What was it for Josh Allen? Year three. I mean, Lamar Jackson became the MVP in year two. Right. But it does take time, and, and teams aren't all that patient anymore with quarterbacks. It's a weird it's a weird dynamic to pro football where you've got three years 
to prove you can do it. Otherwise, you're just kind of cast into the wilderness, and you may never get another chance. I, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I, I think that happens too much, and you get cast into the wilderness, and they write you off too quickly. And that's what we're seeing, I think, too, with like a guy like Geno Smith. You know, he, he was written off because of perceptions and, and what media and fans thought, and he was capable of playing. You know, as we're seeing right now, but but you're right with the Trey Lance conversation. It's it's really is a tough one. It is. It's a tough one for all of them, like you said. Let alone when it's three first round picks traded for you, and you're replacing a guy who took your team to the Super Bowl two years before that. That adds even more to it. So, uh, yeah, I do feel for him, Mike. To, to your point, and and you know, Geno Smith. I mean, what he's done is amazing because he persevered. He didn't just walk away. Right, right. He put in all those years as the backup, and he knew in his heart if he got a chance again, he would get it done. He did it last year for a few games. Nothing like a great game against the Jaguars to get Russell Wilson's finger healed prematurely, even though it really wasn't. But he had to get back on the field because Gino was playing better than Russell was. And now look at this year, apples to apples. It's just a great story. But you shouldn't have to be in that spot where you get thrown into the lower reaches of a depth chart and you just have to kind of – you know, seven years later, here you are again, starting and showing everyone what you can do. All right. Three teams in the NFC that I looked at as the favorites coming into the season, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Rams, they all have three wins each. Next question, which underachieving NFC team has the most issues among those three? Green Bay, Tampa Bay, LA. I'm going to go with the Rams there. Uh, I you know Rams. I still got respect for their defense. I mean, it's still good, but it, it's not dominant like we've seen in years past. And then I just think, I think their offensive line play is so horrible, Mike. I just don't see, I, I don't see how they turn it around. Uh, that that's where the Packers and Bucks. There's there's elements where I go, oh okay, wait. You know, hey, it's Brady and Mike Evans, and the protection isn't so bad to where I go, whoa, they can't do anything. The Packers, we know they can run the ball a little bit and do that. And then it's just getting Rodgers and everybody to throw the ball down the field every now and then. The the Rams, I don't think are going to have any capabilities at all there. I mean, they had their two drives to start the game the other day, or not to start the game, but their two touchdown drives. And it was really, it was Matt Stafford drop back and, whoa, it's collapsing fast, and let me throw a ball in between two guys for a five-yard gain. And let me do that again and then again, and getting killed everywhere. And then let alone they have no run game, like see you later. So that's where I don't see how that one gets fixed. So I, I'm going to say they have the most issues, Mike. And, you know, these teams that make it to the Super Bowl and the teams that win the Super Bowl delude themselves into thinking it's easy. It's, it's not. You go back to zero and zero, and everyone is coming after you, and you've lost some key players, and who do you replace them with? And you have this Aaron Donald retirement drama that lingered over the bulk of the offseason. They kept it under wraps, but, you know, they had uncertainty there. And yeah, I think it is the Rams. And... And wouldn't it be something if they go from winning the Super Bowl to not making it to the playoffs altogether? And it's not really an elimination game this weekend, but it kind of feels like it. Rams right, and Bucks, right? Oof, man, I feel like I the Rams lose; they're going to be eliminated. If the Bucks lose because of the NFC South, they'll still be alive. But yes, it, it's 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 getting close to that. Hey. Uh, Bottle of tequila or sodium pentothal or lie detector test for Sean McVay right now. 
I have a feeling he'd say I should have taken the Amazon money. <laughs> I have a feeling he'd say it. If he was being completely candid and truthful, I should have taken the Amazon money. And then, you know, I can come back five, ten years from now and try it all over again. All right. Which NFC team do you believe in more? The 6-1 and one Vikings, who are in first place in the NFC North with a five-game winning streak, or the Seattle Seahawks, 5-3, and three, first place in the NFC West with a three-game winning streak. Who do you believe in more? All right, go ahead. You start out. This is your squad here. I want to hear you You go there first. I believe more in the Seahawks right now. And people think I'm doing a bit. They think that this is just like some way to agitate or be a contrarian. I've followed the Vikings very closely for over 50 years now. I know how this movie ends. I, I, I know what's going to happen here. The ceiling for the Vikings is divisional round. They're going to come up against a team that, that they are not going to be able to beat. It's going to happen. And right now, if they would play the Seahawks, I would pick the Seahawks to beat them. So I have more faith in the Seahawks. More balance, more promise, and they got that home run hitter in Ken Walker III. You and I are both big fans of Ken Definitely. Walker III right now. I really do think the Seahawks are better, even though they, they have lost two more games in the Vikings. I, 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 know, I hear what you say. It's tight. It is tight for me. I do think the Seahawks' defense is getting better in front of our eyes, too. And as compared to years past, like I know they're not perfect, but they have some creativity and they're not messing things up, and the offense is, is dangerous. I think I'd still go with the Vikings, but it's it's close. I, I like the Vikings just because, you know, again, your O-line is, is good. Your ability to run the ball is real. And even though your defense isn't, like, dominant, uh, it, it is amazing how teams just, you know, they kind of move the ball on you guys, and they, they have a hard time scoring touchdowns. They do. So that's the number one goal there. They're doing a great job of keeping teams out of the end zone for the most part. But you also question Minnesota to like, to your point a little bit where you just go, you know, yeah, the schedule has been favorable for them. It has, it's fallen the right way. That ends quickly. Bills, Cowboys, yes. Patriots coming up after they play the commanders. Yes. Hey, and the command, every game for the Vikings in the month of November is against a team that is currently at or above 500. Wow, that's yeah. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what they're made of because yeah, they are one of those teams that I yeah I don't look at and go they're as good as the six and one record would would imply. They got to play the Dolphins without Tua in the quarterback situation and ended up being the third stringer that week. Right? Am I right about that? Or was that Teddy? It was that yeah, was and it. it was Skylar Thompson. Yes. Then he got injured and Teddy, Teddy came in came without in. the full preparation. Right. So you had to deal with that. The Bears were trying to find themselves. You know, they got the Saints. You know, in Andy Dalton's first game over in London. Uh, and could have lost every single one of those games. Detroit beat them Lions by exactly. Lions barely beat the Lions. Right, right. So that's where it is. Where we look at a 5-3 and three team like we were talking about a, a minute ago with like the Baltimore Ravens. We go, wait, they're 5-3. and three, But they've had more points during this year where we've gone, whoa, they look like dominant and really good. And... Yes, the Vikings at 6-1, and one, but at no point have I gone, whoa, they're dominant and they're really good. I just go, hey, they're doing a good job. They're hanging in there. They find ways to win the game. And that's, you know, so that's where I guess we want to see more out of your, out of your Minnesota Vikings. In five straight wins, the Vikings have basically been Indiana Jones sliding under the stone door and reaching back and grabbing their hat. One of these days, 
the door is going to land on their arm. <laughs> and it's you'll be there happen. to laugh at them. <laughs> you lost your arm. I, I, I mean, but, or it may not even get to that. Wait until they go to Buffalo. My son gets so mad at me when I say, wait until they go to Buffalo. Then you'll see how good. You're the worst really fan are. ever. <laughs> I, I'm realistic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When, as a child, your heart was ripped out of your chest cavity and stomped on multiple times. A mumshi bai, a mumshi bai, a mumshi bai. It's kind of, yes, exactly. Continuing the Indiana Jones. (laughs) Yes, show it to you and then stomp on it. All right, uh, when we return, how will the Chiefs use their newest offensive weapon? We'll discuss that on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. So two Halloween-related questions for you, Coach. Do you have, like, a costume maybe growing up that you remember? I know you were a big kid, and then maybe uh, uh, some candy that's your favorite one. It's Halloween for you. Yeah, yeah. So, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, I've am i got two favorite candies for sure. Uh, yeah, peanut-coated M&Ms. I mean, I, I love those peanut M&Ms, actually. And then uh, Mr. Goodbar. It seems like every time I walk by Mr. Goodbar, he calls me, you know, and says, Andy, come eat me. And, so uh, I very seldom pass those up. Um, the costume that I remember most is probably a Batman costume, which uh, as a portly kid, that was probably not a good look, but I felt like it was. I felt like I could fly. Great stuff from Andy Reid. <laughs> it really is. He's awesome. Um, any Anytime I hear costume and Andy Reid, I think of the punt pass. Oh, me kick. too. That's what I thought of right away. Right. <laughs> that was a costume where, where that he night. Is, <laughs> he is literally twice as tall and four times the size of the kid standing next to him in the old Rams uniform, Andrew uh, Reed, R-I-E-D. I remember they used to do that on Monday Night Football. Yeah. They, they, they'd actually use part of halftime right. to televise the in-stadium punt, pass, and kick competition, and I used to actually get excited about it. Well done. Here, look at 22. Uh, hilarious. He's like... He's like, man, I'm probably standing a little too close to the wrong part of this guy. But uh, <laughs> there's, there's the throw from Andrew Reed, which shows why he went into coaching. <laughs> That's um, right. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. But that, that, that was a staple of uh, Monday Night Football. When I was growing up. The Howard Cosell highlights and punt, pass, and kick. Uh, and when I was growing up, I'd see it at halftime in uh, certain years. And In fact, there was one year where I won the punt, pass, and kick for my area – you know, or, or my town or whatever, and was supposed to go to, like, Giant Stadium and was invited for, like, halftime punt, pass, and kick. But, you know, I don't know. I was embarrassed and of Sims and whatever else, and we decided not to do it. But it, it, that used to be a thing when I was growing up. I'm very curious about whatever happened to punt, pass, and kick. Yeah, I right? I really am. Right. And, 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 I mean, it was such a big brand for kids. It really was. 70s. I've got books, and this was part of the indoctrination pre-Madden. They indoctrinated you with books. I've got four or five books from when I was a kid, and it was called the Punt, Pass, and Kick Library. I mean, that was their mechanism for luring kids into the sport. Don't play the piano, but I have them down there. And it's, I remember it's the Punt, Pass, and Kick Library. And that whole that was just such a cool phrase because you turn on TV and you watch Punt, Pass, and Kick. My friends and I, we'd go do Punt, Pass, and Kick. And, you know, we'd sure. see who could throw it the farthest, right. kick it the far, you know, all that right. stuff. Right. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, well, a guy who will be catching some passes for the Kansas City Chiefs, Kadarius Toney, traded by the Giants last week. Here's Andy Reid from yesterday talking about how they're going to add 
the former first-round pick into the mix in KC. I joke, but about a bit. I mean, you have one football, and you, you know, you you want to. You can only spread it around to one person at a time. So it's. Uh, uh, but at the same time, we try to exploit everybody's strengths and use them, and um, as, as we go, and and um, and then work on whatever weaknesses they have. So that allows us to get guys in at least a decent position to do what we think they can do best. And and so it won't be any different with him than, than the other guys. I mean, we'll see how, it, see how it works out, see how fast he picks it up. And he hasn't played for a few, you know, a couple of weeks here. So uh, getting him back in the swing of thing and the speed of it and all will be important. And then we'll just see. Let's, I mean, we'll take it day by day. We'll just see how he, see how he does with it. Uh, but he's, he's a nice addition. I just, you know, look, I'm not going to rush him into something uh, that, that he's not comfortable with or I'm not comfortable with. This is a long-term value play by the Chiefs. This isn't what Odell Beckham Jr. would be. And it's still not impossible that they would go after OBJ, although I think teams are starting to become resigned to the reality that he's headed for Buffalo. I mean, he's he's looking for which winner to climb aboard. And it's clearly the Bills right now. That's the vibe. This is longer term. This is a guy who's in the second year of a four-year rookie contract, got a fifth-year option on the back end of it. They got him for peanuts in comparison to what the Giants gave up to get him. He could come in and be a guy who grows and develops, and they nurture him. They're not going to just throw him out into the fray. Right. They're going to take their time, and they're going to work him in. And just like Coach Reed said, there's only one football. So you got to get the guy to buy into his role. Uh, Reed says he's healthy. There's been that question of whether or not he and the Giants were in agreement on whether or not he was healthy. But I just think he needed to change his scenery. Credit Seems to the like Giants it. for cutting and running. Right. And and now we see we see what Tony can be. Yeah, right. And and we know Kansas City, uh, they're they're good with guys like this. You know, they are. They this is where Andy Reid's special. He's got a you know, a knack about blending personalities or guys that can be, you know, viewed as whatever, a knucklehead or however you want to phrase it. And he gets them there and they buy in and we don't ever hear an issue with them ever again. So, you know, and, and I agree with you. It is a long play. You know, you got to, first off, they know they got Patrick Mahomes for the long play. They got to keep refurbishing that wide receiver room. That's going to be a constant thing for them to stay ahead of. And they're very likely could be this, go into next year, and there's no McCole Hardman and no Juju Smith-Schuster on the, on the team anymore. So that's where he comes into play then. Let alone, I think he's going to have some real short-term value as long as he can get healthy and get up to speed here with the offense because could Tony, unlike some of these other guys, he's a little different in the fact that like he's a just get the ball in his hand guy, right? Where, hey, we can send Valdez Scantling, and I know McCall Hardman, you can get the ball in his hand like we saw in the 49ers game, and he can do some things too, definitely. But Tony is that guy that you throw a screen to. You give him the speed sweeps. You give him the reverses. You know, he's a guy that doesn't matter he has the line of scrimmage. Just get him the ball, and he can make things miss. That's where he was scary, let alone he's got enough speed and explosion to just to, to beat a guy in press coverage and run by him. So I think it's a great move by them altogether. And, you know, again, we know what flows through that passing game in Mahomes. It's, a, it's another weapon and gives them a little depth, too, in case there's an injury here down the stretch. We saw Tom Brady play on Thursday night. We heard from him on Monday night, as we do every Monday night, both about the Buccaneers and about his off-field issues that have been in the news, and he opened up about those. We'll talk about that when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
you know, I think there's a lot of professionals in life that go through things that they deal with at work and they deal with at home. And obviously the good news is things, it's a very amicable situation. And I'm really focused on two things and taking care of my family and certainly my children. And secondly, doing the best job I can to win football games. So that's what professionals do. You focus at work when it's time to work. And then when you come home, you focus on the priorities that are at home. And all you can do is the best you could do. And that's what I'll just continue to do as long as I'm working and as long as I'm being a dad. Words of wisdom from Tom Brady on the Let's Go podcast from Monday. And I I feel for the guy. I do too. And it's it's a good example. We deal with issues all the time in our lives. We just do. I don't know what that was. We just we deal with issues. We balance our professional exploits with our personal lives, whatever it may be. It can be anything. It could be a marital problem. It could be an issue with a child, an illness, some other issue, aging parents, whatever it may be. We have to compartmentalize and we have to find a way to persevere. It's just the way that it is. And, you know, I this all got off the rails for the Buccaneers. And I don't know who to blame here, but it was a failure of PR. That it was like this big secret that invited human speculation. What's going on with Tom Brady? Why is he gone for 11 days? What are they hiding? What They created a curiosity. They created a void that was filled with speculation and gossip. I mean, I, and I know that it's hard to figure out when the right time is to announce to the world what's going on. But that's where it all got off the rails. Back in August when he disappeared for 11 days and nobody said anything. And the Buccaneers, I think, weren't being completely truthful with people. Because I, I, I think people would sympathize, empathize, whatever thighs, whatever the right version of empathize or sympathize would be based upon your own experience. People understand. And I think he explained it very well last night. And, and it is a tough spot. And it's a good example for all of us. We do encounter personal issues and we have to find a way to keep taking care of our professional business while we juggle both. Yeah, it's it's, uh, <clears throat> it's tough, let, al- let alone like the, the other aspect that you bring up where uh, it's a guy that's he's world famous. And uh, everything he does is we look at. I mean, he's he's gone to another level over the last four or five years. Uh, I, I feel bad for him. I do. It's, this is an incredibly tough spot, you know, and, and it just I know how much he loves his football for sure. And I, I do think in Tom Brady and being around him and, and having viewed him for as long as we have, I think he's a, he's a good guy who does love his family. And I think he's, you know, stuck in a spot where it seems like it's like, hey, he wanted to keep playing football. And obviously his ex-wife was not happy with that, but he wanted to continue to follow his passion. And you always sympathize for a guy like that. You do. You know, and and uh, so that's that's where I do feel for him. And this is tough. It's it's I, we've never seen him like this. And there's moments even in the game last week where I watch on Thursday night, and you know, I know you are like me. You psychoanalyze where you look in the helmet, and I, I honestly look into his eyes and go, "Man, there's a lot going on in his brain. It's not just football." Like where I used to just be like, "It's focused football." I don't know. I feel like you can see it in his face a little bit that there's more issues in life. And the fact that he tells Al, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit when they ask him about stuff, and, and the word he used was intense. For a guy like Brady, who I think is intense every day, for him to use that word, 
You know, I just, that's where, you know, I do. This is, it's a tough spot. I know he's got it all in life, but man, life, life can be hard even when you're a superstar. Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, the message to the rest of us is find a way to keep doing what you need to do while you deal with the personal issues. They may be short term, they may be long term, but that's just, that is part of normal human life and i don't and know we see well, well i was just saying like, what do you think like what do you like what, what you know i don't know what they could have done differently you know I, I guess we don't know how this all crept up on them in well, tampa bay it's all odd you know i'm sure they had some inklings i don't know but it, it you know that's in one that's tough to handle yeah the team they'd like to probably let people know so you know people aren't scrutinizing it but at the same time they want to protect his privacy and wait, maybe this won't become a divorce and it'll go away. So we don't want to let that out of the, you know, let that cat out of the bag or whatever there. It's a tough situation for not only him, but the whole organization. It's like everything else at this stage of Tom Brady's career. There's no manual for it. It's unprecedented for him and for everyone else to have a guy playing this long at that age with the issues that pop up for people in their mid forties. And that's just kind of what happened. So I, I just, I feel like the Buccaneers were not being candid and honest and truthful, but like you said, when's the right time? It's a tough one. And it's yeah. for Tom to decide when to say, and maybe there was a chance to turn it around and who knows, but, but you know, here's the bottom line. He also talked about where the team currently is. Unfamiliar territory was the phrase that Jim Gray used. And Brady said, I embrace it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, I don't think he said let's go, but it's implied in the podcast. He said let's they're effing ready. go. They're, they're, they're ready to embrace this challenge. And this weekend against the Rams, they get a chance. They just need a win. They get a win, and that's going to change the vibe. And they've, they, they can win that division. And as I said last week, if they get in, they are going to be dangerous in the NFC because Brady has had 47 career playoff games. He is never going to freak out under the spotlight of the postseason, and it and it could be, well, I mean, you, you want a storybook ending? It doesn't get any better than everything he's been through this year. If they could find a way to get to the playoffs and win some games, knock off the Eagles. No, I'm sorry, Eagles fans. I just that's the first team I thought of. But win some <laughs> playoff games and get back to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Sunday statement draft because we didn't do it on Monday. Miles Simmons decided he's going to save it for Chris so Chris could go another week without having to do goats in a wow. bad way. Wow. Sunday statement Thank draft you, Miles. coming up when PFT Live continues right after this. Miles is awesome. That's my statement. Pro football talk. He's got a website too. It has a, it's 21st anniversary coming up on tuesday do i have that right michael 21 years incredible 2001 november 1 we launched spawning ultimately the career of your co-host that was our only purpose we all have a purpose (laughs) that was our purpose thank you thank you mom and dad for making a website that was from last thursday on pardon my take there's (laughs) there's peter king as the uh, the face of the Churchill bust down in the barn, that's a fairly that's that's not quite a close approximation to the barn, but I'll take it. And there will be some 1942 consumed. Tonight. So wait, what was that? The background there with Big Cat and and PFT commenter there, where you were in, the, in barn, the barn, but you just had the TVs yeah. behind you there. That's I've never seen you do that look before. The monitor was on the bar, right? And 
that's the those are the I'm not the monitor. The the computer was on the bar. Yeah, gotcha. When you're standing at the bar looking out, that's what you see. You see the four TVs. I tried to come up with something different. So I don't know. The lighting wasn't great. The lighting's not great down there. It's it's a barn that is kind of like a bar. And you're wearing uh, your your Vikings uh, military hoodie there. That looks looks like yeah, right. It's yeah. November. Okay. It's October. It's November. Okay. It's comfortable. Good. That thing Good. is very comfortable. Good. It's very comfortable. Happy I've got that one, and they, they did like the black one the next year. They, they, some of them I don't like. I, the salute to service. They come up with a new approach every year. Some years it's awesome. Some years eh, maybe you've had better. Next year. Right. All right. Sunday statement draft time for week eight. Chris, you're up. Well, I, I, I'm going to – the 49ers offense, that's where I'm going to start. I just think we saw the potential of what they can be there. Again, you know, we kind of talked about it a few minutes ago. The Rams defense, they're not the issue with the Rams. Rams defense is still really good. You know, if I remember right, it's top five-ish in football. But I think we saw kind of the potential of what the 49ers can be on the offensive side of the ball – and there was no Debo Samuel. Uh, again, so the 49ers, to me, uh, that was a statement. The way they dominated the Rams, their defense is still not even healthy, and they kicked the crap out of them. And then I think you see a little bit of the Shanahan magic. And why I love the CMC move, too, is you know it, it's not a receiver that then puts the spotlight back on Jimmy G. Can he hit him? Can he make the throws? Can he throw the ball deep to OBJ? I don't think he could do that. This is like right in his wheelhouse. You know, fake to this guy, boom, fake to this guy, boom, 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 boom. And just right here and all here, hey, toss it out to that guy. Great. And that's where it's great. And the 49ers, to me, have the potential to be in that conversation with the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs if they get healthy and can get kind of rolling here. I think they're, they're capable of being that type of team. Once we identify a great player and that player goes on to play great, we get to a point where we just kind of take it for granted. We kind yeah. of shrug at it. No big deal. It's right. expected. Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. Sixth career 200-yard game, mm-hmm. tying the all-time record. So all he needs is one more, and he's the king, literally and figuratively, of 200-yard rushing games. 32 carries, 219 yards. I think he he dramatically outgained the entire Texans offense single-handedly. couple of touchdowns. The guy's incredible. 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 And we we don't appreciate Derrick Henry nearly enough I think part of it too is we we kind of expect it to be ending like he's been around for a while he's got wear and tear we've seen other running backs in the NFL that it just doesn't last so we're just kind of like we don't like we kind of expect it but we don't really expect it we expect it to be ending it's like it's no big deal it's a big deal 200 yard rushing game is a big deal and he had 219 on Sunday, it was incredible. It's insane. That was a statement by them. Everything, and I know it's the Texans and all of that, but still, I mean, they played a game where they literally were like, "We're not going to throw it. We're going to run it. You know, we're going to run it. Everybody watching knows we're going to run it, and we're still going to kick your ass." That 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 to me is a statement in itself. This is the NFL. You you just can't do that against teams like I don't care That's who they are. That's college approach. Exactly. We have superior players. Right. It doesn't matter what the scheme is. It doesn't matter what the plays are. We'll exactly. tell you what the play is. Right. You're not going to be able to stop. Exactly right. That to me is when you get dangerous of being like, whoa, there's something elite now to that team that you have to start worrying about that can open up other things in the offense. I'm going to give Dak Prescott a little love here in this draft with the statement. I, I think you see the statement is like, hey, look at what the Cowboys can be when he's at quarterback. We know the defense is good and makes plays, but when he's kind of close to hitting on all cylinders like we saw last week, that offense becomes really dangerous. His movement, 
His ability to push the ball down the field is special that way. Uh, 15, 20-yard high-level throws, he makes them look easy. He changes their offense when he plays like that. So that was a statement, in my opinion, from him. A.J. Brown, three first-half touchdown catches, all on go routes. And uh, he made the statement after he caught the third when he got the taunting foul, but he, he made sure that the two Steelers who were trying to cover him failed by pointing at both of them. But, look, what a trade that was. We're talking about the Titans. Wouldn't they love to have A.J. Brown right now? What? How would we feel about the Titans if what? they still had A.J. Brown? Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? I know. Pay the guy and keep him. Don't trade him. Let's take a break. We'll do round three of the Sunday Statement Draft right after this. There we are, first two rounds of the Sunday Statement Draft for Week 8. Chris, you're up, Round 3. You know, I'm going to go with the Saints' defense on this one. You know, there's some individual performances that, that certainly could probably give some more love, DeAndre Hopkins, people like that. But the Saints' defense, I think that performance, that what we saw on Sunday, is worth noting here. And the fact where the NFC South is, We've seen the Saints, again, they lost that game on Thursday night, but their offense was rolling against the Arizona Cardinals. The pick sixes really threw that game for a loop. But they, they have shown signs here of where I just go, they, they could turn into something and be a pain in the butt. The way they're running the football, you know, Andy Dalton's playing pretty good. And then if the defense can like just absolutely obliterate a Raiders team that was moving the ball on everybody at will, that was a shocking performance. Dominant. I mean, the Raiders couldn't pass midfield, I don't think, until late in the fourth quarter. Oh, it was bad, and there's already people saying, did did, uh, Mark Davis make a mistake in hiring Josh McDaniels? Um, So a couple of coaches in the AFC West in their first year on the job who are feeling the heat. I'll go Dolphins offense. Mm. What a thing of beauty that was, primarily because they saved us from going 0-3 in best bets this week. They covered. I thought they didn't cover. I thought the spread was four and a half. I just realized yesterday it was three and a half, so they did cover. Yeah. But the Lions did everything they could to knock them out, and that offense just keeps going. Tyree Kill, by the way, on pace for 2,042 receiving yards. Tua was great. Jalen Waddle's great. Mike Gesicki's contributing. Mike McDaniel's getting it done, Chris. He is. The Dolphins. Are, maybe they disrupt Bill's Chiefs before it's all said. They have that type of potential and those type of weapons and playmakers on both sides right, of the ball. I hear you, Mike. We're done. You'll hear more from us tomorrow. Have a great day. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.